Welcome to the Fairview Church Podcast. At Fairview Church, we are dedicated to reaching our neighbors with the true freedom found in full surrender to Christ. To find out more about our church, including service times, location, and current sermon series, please visit us online at www.myfairview.org. So I am, I am thankful for Tony's willingness to share his story and to be used because he's been hugely impactful in my life in many ways, but specifically over the last about year, uh, as we've met consistently, walked through step studies, shared just what's going on uh, in my life. And uh, Tony has has ministered to me in tremendous ways, and I'm thankful uh, just for the way he continues to do that. And so would just right at the beginning, uh, invite everybody, if, if you're considering this, and, and he talks about herps, habits, and hangups, but Thursday night at seven o'clock, we have our Celebrate Recovery Ministry that's here, and it's a great place to go, and again, it's not just dealing with addiction, but all kinds of ways in which we have struggles in our lives, and so we'd invite you to be part of that. I uh, would invite you now to stand in honor of reading God's Word this morning. We are going to be in Genesis chapter 3, beginning in verse 7. Then the eyes of both of them were opened, and they knew they were naked, so they sewed fig leaves together and made coverings for themselves. Then the man and his wife heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden at the time of the evening breeze, and they hid from the Lord God among the trees of the garden. So the Lord God called out to the man and said to him, where are you? And he said, I heard you in the garden, and I was afraid because I was naked, so I hid. This is the word of the Lord. Be seated. Uh, how many of you all have had the experience where you were in a classroom or maybe in an office, and you were sitting in a chair? And looking around at the people around you, and suddenly you began realizing that you forgot something. And what you forgot was to put on your clothes. And you realized that you were naked. And all of a sudden you thought, oh no, all of these people are going to see that I'm naked. How can I get out of this room without everyone seeing that I'm naked. And then you woke up and you said, thank God <laughs> that was a dream. You all have had that, that dream. Okay, I've got a lot of liars in the house this morning. I've had that dream a million times. My son and I were talking about that the other day. Why is that so common, that, that feeling of, of being afraid of, of being naked and being exposed in that way? There's, there's something about the human experience that we have that is in, in experienced in that dream of this fear of, of vulnerability, this fear of, of exposure, and, and that's something that that is demonstrated even when we're awake in the fact that we put on clothes, right? We're the only creatures on the planet that wear clothes. 
unless you are one of those people who put clothes on your dog or your cat, do we have any any people who put clothes? Okay, I'm just curious. Did okay? Thank you for volunteering that. So, did your did your pet ask for that? Or they like? I need no. Okay, you just did it. Just put it. Okay. Yeah, so so there's this unique experience of of putting on clothing, and it's tied to a a fear at some level that we have. We we fear exposure, and and in some level we also fear rejection from other people. And so there's a there's a demonstration of this that's that's in clothing and and what we put on. But what we see in the scriptures the the actual description that we're given of the garden and the beginning, the way that God created things at the first is that the man and his wife were naked and felt no shame. And so that, that nakedness is tied to this, this experience that we all have of shame. And without that shame, there is, there is nakedness, but there's no fear. And that's what is so uh, overwhelming about the description we have of the garden. There's no fear of, of being hurt. There's no fear of rejection. It's shalom. This is this wholeness, this peacefulness. And again, because of that, because of that shalom, everything is right. There's nothing to be afraid of. There is, there's no need for clothing at the beginning. And, and the reality of shame and the reality even of clothing comes into the picture after the fall. And so it's after Adam and Eve choose to rebel against God and choose to eat the fruit God commanded them not to eat from. That is when the experience of shame enters the picture. And so they, they because of the shame that they experience, they cover themselves, right? So Genesis 3, 7 says, so they sewed fig leaves together and made covering for themselves. Now that does not sound comfortable to me at any level, but what is it that they're doing? What is the purpose of these fig leaf coverings? They're embarrassed, right? And so what are they doing from one another? They're hiding, right? That's the the reason why they have these clothes is because they are hiding from the gaze, the eyes of another person. And so they they put on these clothings in a way of of hiding from from the other person. And this is something, although we read this story and this sounds bizarre, in many ways we still do this. We're far more sophisticated in how we do it, but we... We have this feeling of shame or inadequacy and insecurity. And so we cover it up, sometimes literally, with clothing. There are some people who, and I've experienced this in my own life, I'll wear certain clothes to try to make me look good to other people. So there's a, there's a feeling of shame or there's a feeling of inadequacy. I think, well, if I can wear these clothing, then I will be acceptable. And, and so I can cover over this feeling again of, of inadequacy and shame that's that's inside of me, and there's a there's a lot of other ways that we do this. the The way that Genesis continues to describe this phenomenon is the way that people do things with their own hands to make a name for themselves. And so, 
there's all these ways that people are constructing things and building things with their own hands to kind of make a name for themselves that, that in some way hide them from others. And so a lot of us, if we're honest about why we buy certain things or why we focus on certain accomplishments, at the core behind it is shame. The motivation that drives us in all these different ways is this, this sense of shame that we try to cover over in a way that, that hides us from other people. Now, beyond hiding from one another with these clothing, what do Adam and Eve do that's just crazy? Who else do they hide from? God. They hide from God. Now, is that actually effective? No. The scripture tells us that we are all naked and exposed before God, that there's, there is no hiding from God. He sees into our heart. So there's a reality in this that, that nobody can hide from God. And yet what they're doing, again, is out of their shame, they're, they're trying to remove themselves from the, that feeling, that experience that they have. And I think this, again, we do in more sophisticated ways now. Uh, one of the ways we do it is through avoidance. So how many of you all went through a season in your life where you felt shame and you knew things in your life were not where they should be, and so you avoided a church building. What do you want to say? There was a time where you, so you're not going to go in a church building or near a church building. I've had people, you know, I'm afraid lightning is going to strike if I go in there. Or, or even in our minds, like I'm not going to think about God. I'm going to try to avoid even those thoughts. And, and that's a way of hiding. Again, it's, it's not effective, but it's a way of avoiding what we see as this exposure before God. But there's another way, I think, that people try to hide from God, and that's the kind of religious approach, where I'm going to try to do, I feel this shame, I, I feel this deep uh, inadequacy, and so I'm going to try to do a lot of religious things, good religious things, so that I can really cover myself over before God. And, and again, I think legalism would be the word for this, where, where we're trying to patch together Righteous deeds would be how the scripture, good, good works, good things, so that we can have this covering before God. And, and this is an attempt, again, that's, that's based on our, something that we can do, something that we can fashion together. Now, the scripture talks about this, and what does it say our best deeds are? Filthy rags, that's the, the language. So, the point being, that, we, that nothing that we can put together in this way has any real effectiveness. In fact, it's, it's something that's, that's problematic uh, in this way. And yet, we return to it as we're trying to, to cover and, and hide ourselves from God in this way. There's another way that we react to the feeling of shame that we have, and that is to blame. And that's what, what happens when God calls Adam out. He's like, okay, you knucklehead, come out from behind the tree. And Adam says, whose fault was it? The Eve, the, the woman you gave me. And so this blaming, and this is another way that we deal with shame. We feel this shame rising up within us, and there's, a, there's almost like a spotlight that's on us. And so what do we want to do with that spotlight? Exactly. Put it on somebody else, right? That we feel like we can hide somehow by, and so we even do this in our mind. I'm going to put, I'm going to blame this 
on somebody else. I'm going to find somewhere else to direct this shame, even in my own mind. And often the, the feeling that we have with that is anger. Because what's actually happening in some scenario is that our shame is being exposed and that's painful. And so there's an anger that we want to push that, right, to somebody else. We want to, we want to put, pin that blame. And I, I shared a story last week about me losing my temper and just losing composure in that way and, and kind of sharing that story. But what was at the core of that really was shame. And I wanted, I wanted someone to pin that on, right, in, in that moment of time. And that's, and that's a way that we try to deal with this. Now, ultimately, does it ever work? Has these attempts to cover over, you know, to impress other people or to blame it on someone else, has it ever actually dealt with that shame that's underneath it all? And, and the truth is, no, we know, it, we know that it, it never actually works. It kind of feels right in the moment, uh, but it never actually works. And, and so this is the, the description uh, that we get in, in the scriptures of, of how we, because of, because of the reality of our, our shame, respond to it. Um, and we have to come to that point where we go, okay, this isn't going to work. And that's what I think is really important. You're never going to cover over that on your own. And, but you have to come to that point. You go, this is never going to work. And that's what leads us. So we've seen creation, naked and no shame, fall, the, the reality of shame and the blaming and the uh, hiding to what God does. So God actually is able to deal with this. And so verse nine, so the Lord God called out to the man and said, where are you? So he calls this man out of hiding, right? He doesn't just let him remain in that place. He, he pursues him. And then we see later in verse 21 that ultimately the Lord God made clothing from skins for the man and his wife and he clothed them. So God did what they couldn't do for themselves. And this is what redemption is for us, is when we get to that point of going, I can't do this, that's the point where we are actually able to receive the clothing, this covering that actually is able to deal with that, that shame and the reality that is behind that. And, and this is where before they could receive these skins that God gave them, what did they have to do with the fig leaves? Right, this, what do they have to do with this? Drop it. And, and this is an imagery that we see all throughout scripture of you know, the, the rags, whatever it is that we have that, that we're called to drop those. And that is an exposure of our nakedness. And that, that's the very thing that we've tried to avoid. So what shame has led us to do is to put ourselves in situations where we're not exposed. So we are desperately trying not to think about our, the, the actual reality. We're trying desperately to avoid this. But what we actually have to do is get to the place of, of nakedness, of acknowledging the reality, right? What, what is behind all of this? And, and there's an honesty, an acknowledgement of, 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 
And for me, this was, this was a prayer of, of, I came to the point of realizing, God, I have nothing to offer you. Like all these things that I've been trying to do and put together and put so much energy into, they're nothing. They're worthless. And I had to cut, God, I have nothing to offer you. There is no righteousness. There's nothing that I have. I am completely, desperately in need of you. And this is, this is the prayer that we find in the New Testament that Jesus says is an effective prayer. Lord, be merciful to me, a sinner. Right? And so he compares that to a tax collector who's, uh, or he, he compares that to this, this religious person that's kind of listing all of the good things that they've done. And those are clothing. And he's like, that's not going to work. You're still trying to patch it together. The prayer God hears is this open acknowledgement. Lord, be merciful to me, a sinner. Right? I am desperately in need of your mercy, of you to do what I cannot do. And that's the point of this dropping of the fig leaves. Acknowledging our helplessness that God offers us and provides for us what we can't provide for ourselves. And we're able to, to receive that. Now, now sometimes God, by his grace, brings us, and Tony was talking about that, to the end of ourselves. And that's in the moment, and some of you all have experienced this, where you are exposed all of this that you've been patching together and working and putting energy into and you think it's such a good cover, all of a sudden it's exposed. And how does that feel in the moment? Terrifying. Thank you for your honesty. Right? Because it's what you've been avoiding and yet by God's grace, it can be the best thing that ever happened. Where this exposure happens and, and you come to see, yeah, this is, this is not working, right? It's, 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 it, and God brings you to the end of yourself and it puts you in this place of desperation, right? And that's where God works in powerful ways. And, and so we're able to receive this clothing that God bears for us. Now this, the, the skins and this sacrifice and God providing clothing, this all is pointing ultimately to Jesus. Because Jesus is the one who is actually, he sacrifices himself. He offers his own blood for our sins. And then he offers his own righteousness to cover us. And this is the language that scripture gives. I want you to hear this very simply. Christ bore our shame so that we can be clothed with his righteousness. Christ bore our shame. How did he do that? On the cross. And this is something that we often miss in our Western American context. We are focused on innocent and guilt. Much of the world though is, a, is an honor shame context. Now what research tells us is that social media has actually made us more into an honor shame Society where everybody, you know, if you don't do this, if you don't eat this way, all these things, you're shamed. And, and there's, there's shame that's growing. We're becoming more like this. But historically, we haven't thought about the cross from this perspective. And yet, what Jesus is experiencing is tied to the garden, is tied to this shame. He is spit upon. He is mocked. He is ridiculed. He is made fun of. These are all shaming things. And then ultimately, he is stripped naked, right? We have 
these pictures that don't show this. <laughs> but the Roman system of crucifixion, first, it was the most painful possible way to die, agonizing. And yet, the real goal that Rome had in crucifixion was shaming, right? In this honor-shame society. And to do this, you were hung there naked, completely exposed. And this is what Jesus experiences. He is, he is completely shamed. He's completely exposed. He's, he's completely in this, bearing the full reality of our shame, right? The worst, the things that we fear the most, That's exactly what Jesus is taking so that we can, hear this, be set free from it. This is what Jesus is purchasing for us, freedom from shame. He is purchasing forgiveness and freedom from sin. And that is a a huge component. Again, and we talk about this consistently, but he is also purchasing, providing us freedom from shame. And how do we experience the actual freedom from shame that Jesus purchases for us by being clothed with his righteousness, right? We, and this, the, the song that we sang earlier, All Sufficient Merit, talks about this a lot, about we are clothed completely in the righteousness of Christ. What is the, the piece of clothing that scripture ties with the righteousness of Christ? A robe, Right? This is this imagery that we have of being robed, clothed with this righteousness of Christ that covers over our shame, right? That covers us completely. And, and this is what, when, when we go through the waters of baptism, one, and we don't do this, but there are times in history where they baptize people naked. And that was this complete acknowledgement of my helplessness. I bring nothing to this equation, right? Just my sin. That's all I bring. And yet I am both ro- uh, uh, embraced entirely, immersed in the righteousness of Christ in the water. But then there would be a robe placed on them afterwards. That this actual experience of being robed and covered in the righteousness of Christ. And that's, that's the freedom, again, that Jesus desires for us to experience. This grace that's greater than all of our sin. That covers over all of the old person, right? All of that natural person that was there and, and that empowers us in this way. And so we receive the righteousness of Christ in place of our sin and our shame. But we also receive, and this is a significant element, we also receive the body of Christ, <laughs> And this is something we also don't think about because of how individualistic we are in our context. The local church is a gift. Jesus gives us his body. He gives us other people, a new family, a community that is able to embrace us, is able to be a demonstration of the love of Christ, is able to be an environment where we can we can come out of that shame or we can confess our sins or we can, we can experience the truth that we are forgiven, that we are loved because we're so, we fear rejection. So much of shame and the pain that we experience is because of this fear of rejection. Right? If people really know me, then they, they'll reject me. And yet the church is to be a context where we can be both fully known and honest and yet received, 
and, and love. Hey, we're going we're gonna to stick around with this, right? We're going to walk with you in this. And so this is, this is all this picture of the freedom that Christ provides for us. And I think there's a passage of scripture that, that describes this most helpfully. It's, it's 2 Corinthians 5, 14. And this is a kind of a long passage through verse 21. We read, for the love of Christ compels us. So earlier, let's say we were motivated by covering our shame. And, and so much motivation that drives people is actually shame and covering over shame. What is it now, Paul says, that motivates us, that compels us? The love of Christ. No, it's not fear that drives us. It's the love of Christ compels us since we have reached this conclusion. If one died for all, then all died. And he died for all so that those who live should no longer live for themselves because shame shrinks everything down to ourself. We become completely self-focused. But Christ dies on the cross so that we could be set free from living for who? He saves us from living for ourselves. And you're like, well, no longer live for themselves, but for the one who died for them and was raised. From now on then, we do not know anyone from a worldly perspective. Now, the actual, the best translation of this is the flesh, that we no longer look at anyone according to the flesh. And so in the world, how do we look at other people? Based on the flesh, based on the worldly criteria, we evaluate people based on where they stack up, right, in society. Are they above me, below me? You know, are they acceptable, not acceptable? But he says, we don't view anyone according to the way the world does, according to the flesh, anymore, even if we've known Christ from a worldly perspective, yet now we no longer know him in this way. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. So this is the truth. This is the identity we talked about. This is, you are a new creation in Christ. The old has passed away. And see, the new has come. Everything is from God, who has reconciled us to himself through Christ and has given us the ministry of reconciliation. So all of us, if we are in Christ, are ministers. This is not just me or certain select group of people. All of us are ministers of reconciliation, this message that God's given us. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ. Or I'm sorry, that is in Christ. God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them. And he has committed the message of reconciliation to us. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ. Since God is making his appeal through us, we plead on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. He made the one who did not know sin. So Jesus was sinless. He didn't know sin. He made him to be sin for us. So that in him, we might become the righteousness of God. Christ became sin so that we could become the righteousness of God. And this is the message that we are to embody in our relationships with one another. And this is the restoration ultimately that God promises. And I think that the, the best demonstration of this is an art form called Kintsugi, which is a Japanese art form. And it is based on a story of a warlord who had a servant that was bringing his bowl and the servant slipped and the bowl fell and it shattered. But it just so happened that the craftsman was there And he said, hold on, hold on, hold on, don't do anything. I can fix this 
and I can make it better than it was before. And so he takes it away, and when he brings it back, he has taken all of those broken pieces, and he's gilded them together with gold. And so all of those cracks now were gilded with gold, and and the warlord said, this is even more beautiful than it was before. And this is this picture of what the church is to be, that these areas of brokenness in our life that, that Christ redeems, they become a, a, a depiction, an artwork that d- demonstrates the beauty and the love and the redemption of Christ. And this is where I'm so thankful for Tony and his story, because instead of hiding that shame and covering over that, he's been willing to use, to put his story out there, to be honest, so that Christ can work through it, because because other people hear that story, including me, right? And and we see, okay, I can see, I'm not I'm not the only one, right? I'm 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 not different in that way. I've experienced, and and I see how Christ redeemed you and how He worked in your life, and that that allows me to experience that same work of God's grace, and and that's how we're to be in the church, and that's how we overcome shame ultimately. Instead of hiding these areas of brokenness and these areas of pain and, and all of this in our life, we open up. We acknowledge it so that Christ can use it, can redeem it <laughs> as, a, as a demonstration of his grace for the people around us. And it becomes those very areas, those very aspects where shame is so tightly wound and, and, and those very places that we felt like were hopeless. Those are the very places that God works to use us for his greater purpose, right? This ministry of redeeming and reconciling the world to himself. So here's my hope for us as a church. And I want to grow in this in my own life. I want to grow in this as a church. But that we would be people who have nothing to prove. Nothing to prove. That we acknowledge, hey, we're all here. There's nothing about us that makes us worthy or higher or lower. No VIPs. We're all here with the righteousness of Christ. We're all here because we've been robed in Christ's righteousness. And, and that mentality, that we can, because what that means is I can be honest. If you can be honest with me, now I have the freedom to be honest about what's actually going on and to bring that out of the light. I can confess, yeah, I'm, I'm messed up and this was a problem. And I know you're not gonna minimize it. Like you're gonna, you're gonna say, yeah, that's, in fact, I need you to say, that's not okay, <laughs> right? I need that. And yet to know, but I'm still with you, <laughs> but I'm not going anywhere, right? Because so much of what we fear is if this is exposed, then you'll reject me. But in an environment where we say, no, like, I'm going to be here. We're going to work through this. And, and the love of Christ is experienced in that way. And, and it says, First John tells us, perfect love casts out fear. Shame's fear. It's just a demonstration of fear. And perfect love is what casts that fear out. So, so that's my prayer, that we would grow in this way as a church and we would in an environment where, where these, you know, kintsugi bowls, that demonstrate it's just the grace of God. That gold, that beauty, it's just the grace of God that worked in these areas of brokenness to, to make me this artwork to be used for God's glory. Father, we thank you 
that you did not leave us hopeless, enslaved to shame, but Jesus took our shame on the cross so that we could be set free from it, so that we could be clothed in his righteousness, loved and accepted, not because we deserve it, but because of what Christ has done for us. So my prayer is that your spirit would make us people with nothing to prove, not motivated to overcome shame in some way or to make a name for ourselves, but just able to be an expression of your love and your grace. And so, Lord, would you give us that freedom? And, Lord, where we're hiding things, if there's things that we we don't even want to acknowledge with you, would you, I pray by your spirit right now, be at work in those hearts, that first they would start with confessing to you, coming out behind the tree and just being honest about brokenness and sin, shame in our lives. And then that we're able to receive that gift of righteousness that we receive simply by faith. But then that we would become people that we could experience that as well from from others. And so in all this, again, we're just asking for your spirit to do this, to give us this place of freedom. And we thank you that you are continuing to make things new, to redeem and renew and restore. And we're thankful, just thankful to be a part of that. In Jesus' name, amen. If there's anything you need prayer. Thank you for listening to the Fairview Church Podcast. To find out more about our church, please visit us online at www.myfairview.org.